Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. It's so easy for us to fall into a view of Jesus that is simple or routine. But Jesus came to radically change our perspective on what it means to truly live. We're in a series that takes a look at the statements that Jesus said about his mission for coming to earth. Our lives are different because of Jesus. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? So that, that cross is actually painted in the other part of the building back there. It's an original Brammer painting. Uh, we'll cut the concrete out and auction it off for the price of the new parking lot. So that's, we're going to trade that for anybody that wants that in their home. So, uh, hey, it's a good thing. Good to see you guys. Worship was amazing, wasn't it? And, and is anybody surprised? I mean, think about this. Anybody who is going to come out in a little bit of a rain called a hurricane to worship God, it's, it's probably going to be pretty good, don't you think? Yeah, good to see you guys, especially guests. I, I am honestly surprised. Guest, man, you guys deserve an award. You're, you're trying to find a spiritual family in the middle of a hurricane. You're awesome. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, so hey, I, I love all the new stuff we've got. Welcome. Uh, if you are a guest, we're new to this building. We, we, we're just so blessed. We look around and say, man, this is a, what a gift from God that he's uh, entrusted us with this and, and to use it to reach the community. And you know, one of my favorite things about it is all of the light normally. Not so much today because of the clouds and everything, but when we were designing this with the architects, I said, put glass everywhere you can. That's why when you, when you look at the outside, there's a lot of glass. I like light. I want natural light everywhere. I'm one of those people. I walk into a room, turn on every single light switch, and then my wife starts going, no, because she's one of those people that will sit in a completely dark room like you can trip over her. True story. There have been many times I've walked into a room, get ready you do that move because there's, there's a thing, and you think it's a ghost or a demon or something. Turns out it's just your wife praying. She does. Second service, she'll sit there and nod. I'm just telling you, she actually does this. And, but it, look, in her defense, I want to make sure you understand something. She loves a dark room where she doesn't have to worry about people watching her worship. She doesn't have to worry about what the kids think of her. Or I think she's hiding from the kids, okay, actually. But she loves dark rooms, but she doesn't love darkness in life right? And uh, I think some of you maybe know what I'm talking about when, when there's darkness in our lives that we struggle with sometimes. Like maybe you, you try to go to sleep at night and you can't because the minute you close your eyes, all of the, the anxiety and the stress and the worry of life kind of comes. And, and if you do go to sleep, you don't sleep very well. And maybe the first thought you have in the morning is, is anxiety. You wake up, just you're already stressed. It's the first feeling that you know is stress. Or maybe it's that you've got a spouse who is struggling with something in their soul and, well, honestly, it's beginning to take a toll on your marriage. Or maybe it's that there's a, a name of a person. And every time that name is mentioned, you, you get this flood of emotions that include anger or disappointment or just some other hurt or bitterness or just whatever comes to mind. You know, the good news, though, is these struggles that we have, Jesus has an answer for. Uh, we're in a series where we've been talking about the reasons that Jesus came to earth. And, you know, sometimes we think, well, he just came to do one thing. It was, it was real simple. Jesus came to save us from our sins, which is true. But he actually came to do a lot of different things. He's, he made a whole list of statements that he would, it, it's almost like he, he just wanted to give you all these different ideas. Hey, I came to do this. And then the next day it'd say, I came to do this, and it was different. And the next day it'd say, I came to do this, and it was different. 
So this series that we're doing because of Jesus is looking at many of these different statements and some of the things that he came to do. And today we want to look at the statement that he made about darkness and, and how he came to change that. Because I think one of the greatest frustrations that we have as Christians is the struggle we have with the darkness in ourselves. Anybody want to amen that one? I, I, I talk to people, like it's kind of my job. I talk to people all the time that are saying, you know, look, I just don't get it. I pray, I read my Bible, I come to church, and then I still struggle with this thing. I'll get up one day and say, look, today will be the last time. And then by the time that next day comes, you hate yourself and you think, how did this happen again? Well, the good news, like I said, we're going to look at one of these statements, and it's going to be right here on the screen because it's, it's so short. Uh, if you want to turn with me, it's John 12, 46. But look, it, you, we're already going to say it by the time you can get there, but check this out. It says that Jesus said, look, I came into the world as light so that you would not have to remain in darkness, so that whoever believes in me would not have to remain in darkness. And I want you to know something. When we recognize who Jesus is, when we recognize what He's done for us, there is an immediate, absolute rescue from darkness that comes. And I want you to imagine it this way. If you could think back to like medieval times, anybody, I love medieval stuff. Anybody with me? Or you can just think Lord of the Rings. It's close enough. That wasn't really medieval times. But anyway, just imagine it with me. And it's, it's nighttime. And you see off in the distance, there is this walled city because that's the way the cities were. That's how you had your protection. And this city, it has all these lanterns glowing and there's fires in the homes and, and, and the whole city just glows from a distance. You can even see the light kind of up on the clouds and, and, there, and everybody can go towards the city because they can see all the light that's coming from it. And I want you to imagine that, that you look the other way. And so just imagine with me, Jesus is in this city and he stands up on the top of the wall and he looks out and all he can see is complete darkness. See, there's actually a promise in Scripture. It comes out of Colossians 1, won't go on the screen, that says he rescued us from the domain of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of his son. Catch that? He rescued us from the domain of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of his son. I want you to imagine that that walled city, that medieval kingdom, is the kingdom of God, okay? It's, it's, supposed to, it's bigger than that in real life. It's everything, right? But just imagine, that's it. And so Jesus stands up on the wall. He's standing up. He's standing guard over his kingdom. And he looks out and he sees into the domain of darkness. And he says, Mike, I died for you. Come on into the light, man. Hey, y'all, open the gate down there. My buddy Mike's coming in. I died for him. He looks out into the domain of darkness, and he says, Eric, Lisa, good thing y'all got married because I died for the two of you. Come on. Come on in. Y'all open the gates. This couple's coming in. They're pretty awesome. And Jesus just stands there, and he keeps looking out in the domain of darkness. And he says, Lauren. And he says, Lane. And he just keeps calling out names, and he takes us out of the domain of darkness, where you, you, you were tripping over things. You couldn't even see the limbs in front of you. You, you couldn't see the ditches. I mean, it's just dark. And you get into the light. The gate opens up. You walk into the kingdom, and light is everywhere. That's what that means. Immediate, absolute, complete, removing us from the darkness. But how many of you know getting the darkness out of us is a whole other story? And that's what we'll talk about for the next 29 minutes, because that part was easy. That part was easy. 
And you would say, well, wait a minute, why is it such a struggle if Jesus came so that whoever believes in him would not remain in darkness, yet we think that it's as simple as, I'm a believer, I'm done. No, 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 that is Jesus taking you out of the darkness. You're going to heaven, your eternal destiny has changed, you will have a different future. But what about tomorrow? Why is it such a struggle to get the darkness out of us? Jesus actually answered this statement for us too. And now if you want to turn with me, this will spend a little more time there. It's John chapter 3. And Jesus said two really, really important things about why it is so hard to get the darkness out of us. He died to get us out of the darkness, but let's look at this. The first thing he said was this. Here's the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness. People love darkness instead of light. Because their deeds were evil. Look, here's the, the first thing we have to do is to be honest. We love darkness. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not saying you love every part of all that's dark. I hope there's something about darkness that repulses you. But there are things about us that's human. And if you didn't know, I will go ahead and fill you in. Humanity's broken. If you are a human, and I certainly hope you are, you've got a much bigger problem. If you're human, there is something broken. There is something fallen. There is something sinful. And you can love Jesus as much as any human can, and you're still a human. There is still something that you wish would go away. Maybe it's, it's something you don't even want to tell people about because it's so bad. Maybe it's something you can tell people about. It's an anger problem. Maybe, I don't know what it is. I'll tell you, I have an anger problem. If you don't know me, well, I'm sorry. But my family will tell you. I, I, I think it's inherited. Everyone in my family has an anger problem. It's very, very easy for me to lose my temper. I'm a majestic person. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I, I pray and I say, God, seriously, why won't you give me more money? And then it just as light, as clear as day, because I know what you would do with it. I am not the person that can go to a car lot and buy the base model. I am not the person that can go to Best Buy and get the smallest TV. I, I mean, I just, just, I'm not the person that can go into the Apple store and get the two-model old phone. I, I, I just love stuff. And I know that stuff is meaningless. So when we talk about saying there's things in us that we love, look, I'm, I'm not saying that you necessarily love the deepest, darkest, worst, most satanic things. I'm just saying we have to acknowledge there are unholy things. There are imperfect things. There are things that, that God knows isn't important, like the phone. And yet I can get really caught up in it. Matter of fact, you know how it proves the point? Go get a brand new phone and then drop it in the water and see how you feel. It was just a phone. It just cost money. Neither of those are going to be eternal. And yet we will lose our cool big time, won't we? We're human. We love the darkness. Now look, follow this. We do things because we love them, and then we feel bad for them. I talk with people all the time that struggle with moral purity. They struggle with what they look at on the internet. And look, anybody who's ever had that struggle, which is, by the way, the majority of the population, it, it, you don't do it because you hate what you see. You do it because you like what you see, even if you hate how you feel. Y'all follow that? We do it because we like what we see, but we hate how we feel. 
It's kind of that same thing of you, you try to eat healthy. Let's do a lighter example. It's always easier to preach lighter examples. You just decide you're going to eat healthy, and then you walk into five guys, and next thing you know, you're eating a double cheeseburger and french fries. They don't serve a lot of salads. Would have been a good idea not to walk in that door if you were hungry. I have the best intentions about how I'm going to eat. And here's what's crazy, because I have started to eat better. Is Troy here today? Come on, Troy. I have started to eat better, Troy. And so what happens now is, is when I eat like I did before Troy started harassing me, uh, I get sick. I get sick. So I went to the movies yesterday with my son, and, and the craziest thing, I don't know how this works, but I had a, a, when they scanned my little card, they said, oh, you've earned a free movie. And since it's buy one, get one free, you're both free. I'm like, how did the get one free, get one free? Well, I don't even know. I didn't even ask. I'm like, that's cool. So I said, well, I've got extra money. I told you I have a problem, right? I've got extra money. I'm getting popcorn and a soda. I don't eat drink soda anymore. And I don't eat popcorn anymore, which is one of my favorite things. But I've discovered corn makes me really sick. But I didn't care because, you know, it's movie day and I hadn't had lunch yet. And so I spent like 20 bucks on a soda and popcorn, both of which I threw away. Because you just get sick of it, even though I loved it for a minute. You see, we can actually hate what we love. And then that's why Jesus said, wait a minute. So if you hate it, why do you still struggle with it? It was his next sentence. See, we're actually ashamed. He says, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. You see, we have two core problems. First, we love the darkness. And number two, we're ashamed of what we do in it. We love it. And then we're ashamed of it. And when we're ashamed of it, we can't break the power of it. You see, this is the number one thing that went wrong in the very beginning. If we could go back to the beginning, I know we would all love to say, just don't eat the fruit. You know, we would all be like, no, Eve, okay? Well, there was still a pretty good save right after that. If you showed up, your time machine messed you up, and you got there right after they took a bite, you actually could have still fixed everything. Because at the moment when they discovered what they had done, they were ashamed, and they hid from God. And if somebody could go back and say, oh, I, I get it, you just wrecked humanity, but there is the one who can save you. Go to him. Don't run from him. We could have still, you see what I'm saying? We could deal with shame. You see, the enemy loves how we feel. You, you, you think he doesn't enjoy that we feel bad? Because we're doing what he wants us to do. No, no, he loves that we feel bad. Because when we're ashamed, we hide from the very one who can take our shame away. And it's, it's where he says, oh man, I've got these people. I've got them. Because they won't even go to the one that can help them. And that is why it takes so long to get the darkness out of us. So our question for today is is that simple thing. How, how can we get free of the darkness? How, how can we? I, I need to tell you the first thing is very, very simple. You've got to admit that you've got the darkness. You see, you can never deal with something you don't have. You're never going to call an exterminator if you don't actually have roaches, right? Come on. Here in South Carolina, we, we've got so many roaches and we're just so proud. South Carolinians are a proud people. We've renamed them. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You moved out of California, there you go, and you came and you discovered, what is that? That's a roach, and a South Carolina corrected you. No, 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 that's a palmetto bug. 
right? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You see, until you're willing to tell the world you have a roach, the exterminator can't do it. There is no such thing as palmetto bug killer. There isn't. You get the exterminator to come to your house and say, excuse me, sir, I want that uh, safe killer stuff that only works on palmetto bugs, not the roach. He'll open up the thing and it'll say roach killer. No, 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 just the palmetto. See, if you can't admit the darkness, I'm glad we can laugh about this, especially when we're dealing with something so sensitive. But if we can't admit that we struggle with darkness, we can never get free. If you can't name the darkness, it's going to rule you. So it does start with us admitting, come on, I've got a problem. I, I can admit to God, I, I'm materialistic, and I've got an anger problem, and I've got plenty of other things that since I've already named two and you've named none, I'm going to stop right there. But I'm not perfect either. But we've got to start with admitting it. And then when it comes to the next step, well, it, it comes down to really two very simple things. Jesus has a part, and we have a part. Jesus has a part, we have a part. Let me show you what Jesus' part is. He said this in Luke, well, he didn't say it in Luke chapter 4. It shows up in Luke chapter 4 for us. And sorry to make you Bible hop today, but again, you can just look on the screen right here. And so here's the story. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. This was his hometown. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And as was their custom, and I got to see this happen this past year for the first time, I went to a, a Jewish worship service, and they, they literally pull out these scrolls, and the scrolls that this congregation had were actually rescued from World War II, so they were in, a, in an encasement they kept locked, and a light shined on it and everything, I mean, it was very special. And so they would carry these scrolls all the way around, and they would give someone the scroll to read. And in this case, on this day, they gave it to Jesus. And so Jesus opens up the scroll, and if you ever want to talk about how God rules every circumstance, this is one of those perfect examples, because they didn't give Jesus a copy of Leviticus, you know what I'm saying? They gave Jesus a copy of the words that were spoken about him hundreds of years earlier. And so he opens up the scroll to read, but he's not just reading for the day, he's making a declaration about himself, because he opens it up to a prophecy about him. He knew that was going to happen. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And I want to stop right there. The poor is not talking about the financially poor. It's talking about the spiritually poor. One version says the word afflicted, to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. And look, it's, we know, we see this throughout Scripture. Jesus healed physically blind people. Physical blindness was one of those things He came to do, but that only happened a part of what He did. The number one blindness that He came to deal with, again, was spiritual blindness. There's always a spiritual meaning here. He came to open the eyes of those who were blind. When we talk about darkness, Darkness is, is conveyed all throughout Scripture by so many things like deception and the power of Satan and the works of the enemy and fruitless works. And there's a whole list of these. But one of the things that every time you read about darkness in Scripture, it's talking about blindness. And we remember that, right? Because we're talking about Jesus came so that whoever believed in Him would not remain in darkness. We would not remain spiritually blind. So he says, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want to highlight two of those. 
Both of them liberty. Liberty to the captives and liberty to the oppressed. Well, liberty to the captives is what we talked about earlier. He came to take us out of the domain of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of His Son. Our eternal destiny has changed. Our future has changed. Everything is changed. We were captive in the kingdom of darkness, and now we are free in the kingdom of His Son. We are free. Our eternal destiny has changed. But then He also said more than that. Liberty to the oppressed. Liberty to the oppressed. This is huge. See, now we're not talking about just our eternal freedom, but we're talking about our spiritual freedom. Now we're talking about what we came to talk about today, and that is the struggle that even though we have recognized Him as our Lord and Savior, even though we have been delivered from darkness, even though we have a future in heaven, there's still something wrong in here exactly, and He's come to give liberty to those who are oppressed in their soul, to people who struggle with things. What it means is that we're no longer ruled by some stuff that used to rule us like our past. I'm going to say this and this just move on. What you've done can't beat what Jesus has done. That's, that's just worth it for one of you today. That's, that's the price of admission. You're done. Go home, put that on your fridge. And that's all you need to hold on to. What you have done is not greater than what Jesus has done. It means we're not ruled by our hurts. You see, because we've been forgiven, then we can forgive others. And when we forgive others, He's able to come back and touch our hearts and heal us. And the hurt that that person gave to us is gone. We're not hurt anymore. Now, one of the reasons that we struggle so much in our soul is because we don't forgive, even though we're forgiven. And, and, and we can't bring that forgiveness into our hearts. Because we keep the bitterness against the person. We've been forgiven, but we don't forgive. And so our soul stays trapped. But Jesus came to set at liberty those who were oppressed. It's His desire to set us free from that. We're no longer ruled by our habits. You know, taste can change. My eating changed. Nobody ever thought it would. If you've been around me any time, I've told you sermons about how picky I am. I mean, I'd be really happy with like chocolate and pizza. That would have, that's all I ever needed to exist when I was growing up. So I've probably got like a shorter lifespan because of the first 30 years of my life that that was pretty much my diet. And when people said, you need to eat a salad, <laughs> no way. I will voluntarily order and eat salads now. No one has to be beside me. I don't have to have Troy this much bigger than me with his muscles going, order a salad or you won't leave the restaurant. I, I, don't, I don't need that. Because your taste can actually change. You see, as we get closer to God, our tastes change. They do. Now look, if you're new to following Jesus, and well, this is probably true for those that aren't even new, every step you get closer, and you're still reminded of something that you don't like about yourself. And then you take another step and your taste begin to change. And it's just like when you do change your eating, sometimes you don't notice the difference. And as we keep getting closer to God, the good news is we keep getting more frustrated with the unholiness in us. And sometimes you think, man, I haven't changed at all. Yes, you have. Because now you don't like stuff you used to like. Your tastes are changing. Our habits change. Our thoughts change. We take every thought captive. What it means is that we no longer believe the stuff that goes through our head that doesn't agree with God's Word. 
You see, that's the other reason. Sometimes if you're new to being a Christian or you're thinking about being a Christian, one of the things that concerns you is that you're supposed to read this. You, you should read this. you got to read this. And somebody says, are you reading your Bible? And all that kind of stuff. And look, here's the, the reason to read this is because it's filled with good news about you. It's filled with truth about you. And when the devil says to you, you are no good, you can say, well, that's funny because God says something completely different about me. He, sa- he says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, you, you're just scum of the earth, human, broken human. Well, actually, this says we're God's highest creation. We're, we're his best. Your life is useless. You'll never do anything. Well, actually, this says that I was uniquely and individually made by him. It even uses the word workmanship. Jimmy preached about that last week. Workmanship. You see, when you know what this says, your thoughts change. You're no longer ruled by what the enemy says about you, but you're ruled by what God says about you. Everything changes. Now, not being ruled by those, not being ruled by our past, not being ruled by our hurts, not being ruled by our, our thoughts, and not by being ruled by our habits, that brings us to the other part. Because that means we, if we're not ruled by those, we have the ability to choose. And if we have the ability to choose, we had Jesus' part. He came, and He set at liberty the captives. He set at liberty the oppressed. What is our part? Jesus told us that too. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Have y'all caught the theme yet? You know how many times Jesus made comments about being light to deliver people from darkness? It was not one time. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. No, they won't. But they will have the light of life. This is where we have to ask the question. Okay, so Jesus said he's the light and anybody who follows him will not walk in darkness. I'm struggling with darkness. Logical question. How well am I doing at following Jesus? I think as followers of Jesus, we should all ask that question pretty much every day. How would I do at following you today, Jesus, as you lay your head down to go to sleep? And as you wake up the next day, hey Jesus, I'd, I'd like to follow a little more closely today than I did yesterday or last week. I want to be a little closer to the light. I want, to, I want to brighten up the room a little bit. I want to see what I can do to get closer to you. Am I still being ruled by things that Jesus has defeated? You see, He set us free. But then some of us just don't take the simple step. You ever seen one of those movies where they, they go and they open up the cell and, and, and the person in prison just sits there and looks at them? And you're like, man, if I were behind bars and somebody opened the door, I'm running. Like, I don't want them to change their mind. And it, I don't know, I guess it's just the drama of the movie. I, I, I watch movies all the time and think, how stupid is this? Okay, but anyway, I, so just for the drama's sake, the person sits there. Why is the door open? You're free to go. Me? I'm free to go. Yes, people, seriously. And it's the same problem with Jesus. Jesus, he set us free. He, he, he's, just follow me. Just do what I do. Just live like me. Just believe what I've said. Just stick close and just start walking. It's easy. And we're like, I don't know about this. Sometimes we literally just don't take a simple step. One step closer to Jesus. See, there's no sadder truth. Because of Jesus, we don't have to remain in darkness. And yet, Some still do. 
Because of Jesus, we don't have to remain in darkness. That's the good news. And yet, some still do. So today, let's see if we can change that. It's going to start with this. What is your darkness? What is it? I told you earlier, I don't know if you thought I was just preaching up a storm or something, but you should have known I was going to come back around to this. You've got to name it. You've got to know what it is. You've got to own it. If today your biggest darkness is anger, then you've got to go to Jesus and say, today my darkness is anger. If today your biggest darkness is something you wouldn't want anyone else to know, well, we'll talk about that in just a second. But you've still got to go to Jesus and tell him about that. Whatever this is that causes you to do what you don't want to do, and and there's good news for you, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of our New Testament, pretty cool dude, by the way, in God's eyes, even he said, look, I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do. It's the human struggle. And if you find yourself in a place where you keep doing what you don't want to do, and and even when you say tomorrow I'm going to do, and then you don't do, and... Name it. Name it. You can't get help for something that you pretend isn't there. And the second part, Jesus said this too. A minute ago I said, your darkness is so dark you don't want to tell anybody. It means we're still ashamed. And the power of shame is going to keep us in darkness. You see, what we really need to do is to bring that out into the light. One of the hardest things, maybe the hardest thing you'll ever do, is to expose whatever it is you struggle with. Not on Facebook, please. I wasn't even being funny. Please. No, with someone that can actually help. You see, we have prayer teams here at the end of every service, and I don't know if you've ever thought about it. It's just kind of a thing you hear us say. Today, there's people by the front of the stage that would love to pray with you, and then we just head out to lunch. No, no, those people are here because our hope is that every single week you have not wasted your time in this room. Our hope is that you've allowed the Holy Spirit to prick something right here. And we have a team of people that have committed every Sunday to be here to pray for you. And they have horrible memories. They can't remember a thing. So you can come up to them and say, I need you to pray with me. And you even lean over and whisper why. They'll forget. But they'll pray for you first. And they will help you with the darkness that you struggle with. Because they're simply vessels of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that changes. Now look, let me tell you why this matters the most because this is not just for you it is for you but it's not just for you You see Jesus also said well I'm the light I've come into the world as light anybody who follows me will not remain in darkness and then he, he added this one you are the light of the world We spend a lot of time either complaining about or crying about our world. About how dark it is. About how broken it is. 
How many of you know darkness is not a thing? It's the absence of a thing called light. And we want to blame the enemy for what he's doing to our world. The reality is it's not so much his fault as it is the absence of what we're supposed to be doing to this world. We're the light of this world. And he that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. We should be winning this fight. You not walking in darkness, it matters so much for you. But it matters so much more for the rest of this world. I want you to think for a minute about what you could change. Your unit in the army? Your classroom at school? Your team that you play on? Your family? Think about who you could change. Think about the coworker. Think about your best friend. Think about the people at your family reunion. Who who and what could we change if we would let Jesus get the darkness out of us and really become the light of the world? Because of Jesus, we do not have to remain in darkness. And my hope and prayer for you today that you will begin to take simple steps closer and closer following him I want to close by talking to those of you that have never had that immediate transfer out of darkness and yet you may not like to hear that I didn't want to hear it either I thought I was a good person and when somebody said you're in darkness and you're strong no no no, I thought I was doing quite well actually you might be doing quite well at human life but maybe not at spiritual life And Jesus today wants to set you free. The good news is to make that transfer from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You don't have to do anything weird. You don't have to come down front. I'm just going to help you have a conversation with your new king right where you're seated. Would you all join me and pray? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you that as you looked out into the domain of darkness, you saw me, you called my name, and you brought me into your kingdom. I thank you for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. And my simple prayer today is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. If you have any questions or want to know more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.